and getting up on stage, having followed my plan and really tried to stay true to God. And, and I had this new sense of dignity to me that I had never experienced before. Welcome to Jesus and Juliet. I am here with Elizabeth Bernhardt, who is no stranger to the show. So for new listeners, Elizabeth is a native of Austin, Texas. She's an actor, a singer, a writer, and a photographer. She's also lived and performed in New York City, Asia, Alabama, and Oklahoma. Her notable work includes the South by Southwest Game of Thrones activation, the lead in a web ad campaign, multiple professional appearances on Austin stages, and an off-off Broadway comedy sketch show on the 45th Street Theater in New York. Elizabeth is also part of the Austin Community College District Drama Faculty, and her nonfiction book, The Power of Pretend, An Actor's Struggle to Unite Faith and Work, was published in March of 2020. Welcome. Hi, how's it going, Laura? Good. It's been a while since you've been on. Yeah, COVID and all that. Yes. So funny enough, I was looking at your website to pull that bio from. Yeah, I noticed. I was like, I, I know that one. <laughs> You're like, how does she know so much? <laughs> no, I wrote that one recently. I know that one. <laughs> oh, really good. Okay. <laughs> the page that that's on, the picture at the top where you're kind of dancing with that actor is such mm -hmm. a good picture. Like it's, I just feel like it's such a good picture. And I wanted to mention that. Oh, thank you. It's what? in line with what we're talking about too. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, what <laughs> show is that from? Um, it was As You Like It at City Theater here in Austin. Uh, oh, okay. It was directed by Levi Gore, who's now my friend. It was, it was a lot of fun. My friend Katie Beth Stubbs was Rosalind, and she won Best Actor with, uh, I think, Broadway World Austin for that show. Oh, okay. And, yeah. And we won Best Cast, Best Ensemble, so or for I, I guess for a comedy or something like that. But yeah, that was Joe Kelly, my friend, and we played Audrey and Touchstone. Okay. Did, did, so what time period was that set? That looks like it was like set in the thirties. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And our costume designer, Kaylee Silcox, she's amazing. And so she created the world mostly with the costumes. So. Okay. Yeah. It's a really beautiful photo. I love yeah, it. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. So I know I mentioned having you on before to talk about your book, the power of pretend and then like we said, life happened. So here we are now. You're actually going to center this discussion around a specific chapter in the book. Chapter six, romantic boundaries, romances and showmances. We're getting into the thick of it. Yeah. Which should be an interesting combo. I loved the book. I mean, and you know that. I actually read it before it was published and just felt very connected. I was just thinking if this podcast had a twin sister who was a book, it would be this book. <laughs> Yay, I love that. I just I think it's just extremely relatable. Can you tell us a little bit about why you chose to write it? Was there a particular event or did God just put this on your heart one day and you just started typing? How did this come about? Sure. The book as a whole, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So I had been, and I talk about this in the book a bit, but I had been doing acting since like really professionally um, and, you know, amateur stuff uh, since 2005. And then I went through a grad program for theater and graduated from that in 2016. And um, by that point, I thought, well, this will get easier trying to figure out what it looks like to align my faith in my craft well, get easier. Like I'll figure it out. And I didn't really feel like it had. And so uh, I got out of grad school and I thought, what's my next gig? And I prayed about that a lot and thought about it. And my husband and I talked about it and prayed together. And I went with our school with the University of Alabama to do a New York showcase. And it's just with New York showcases, it's such a toss up. So there had been a couple people from our school that had gone straight to Broadway shows from the, the showcase, and most people who nothing happens. And so Chris and I lived in New York before we knew what it was like, he's still his company still headquartered in New York. So we had said, you know, we have a son now, we want to be close to family. But if an agent shakes your hand while you're there and says, I am signing you, not like, hey, I'm interested, but like, I'm signing you, then we'll move back to New York. And if not, we're going to Austin to go to your home, like back to my hometown. So that took us back to Austin. And then 
I was now a stay-at-home mom and I was thinking, gosh, what do I like? What is my next thing with all of this? I don't want to lose this art form. And I realized that so much of what I needed to do before I ever pursued doing the work and really could figure out my next steps of action in this craft was to know why I was doing it all. And so I've always been a big journaler. So this sort of became like the book was just kind of in me. I think there's so much I've been processing for over a decade and all these thoughts that were really in chaos and I needed to organize them and put them down on paper, partly for myself and partly because that resource wasn't there. I kept looking for it and it wasn't there. So I thought I could do both. I could sort of, God could maybe heal me in some ways and clarify things for me. And then through that, maybe for other people. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Let's move into the book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So showmances. So scared. (laughs) I'm talking about the stuff I need to really talk about. We're just going to go right in. I don't know why, but that term kind of makes me laugh a little bit. (laughs) It's just so true. And it happens so often. And it, it is kind of this running joke. But as I read the book, and especially, I mean, obviously through that chapter, you realize like, it's not really a joke. Like it's really serious and it affects people's lives. And I never really had an experience with that so much. I think in, in high school, you know, when those things, I see them happen in my students, but normally that's because they, they've already know each other. And so it's not anything, you know, it's a little bit different, but I did have an, an experience when I was, and this is not, it's closely related, but not super there. But and I wonder um, if we said, should we define showmance for non-theater? People? Oh yeah, so, totally. Yeah. yeah. So it's just basically a show romance. So anybody that's acting together in romantic roles, or even if they're not doing that, they they get together in a show. But usually, it's they're playing opposite each other. Right. So yeah, and and it can happen. I mean, it happens in film. It happens on stage. When I remember doing a show in college and I had just started dating Steven, my husband, and we, (laughs) I did this show. And I think at that time I was just really naive. I was probably 20. Yeah. He was 19. I was 20 when we met. So I was 20. And I remember I had just had some sort of conversation with him about jealousy or something Mm. because I was like, why aren't you, why don't you act? you know, a certain way, just really, really silly. And I remember he came to watch me do this scene. It's probably honestly the last time I ever acted um, Mm. now that I think about it. And he came to watch me do this very short student directed show that I was in. And you have to think, and you mentioned this in the book kind of a little bit later, but you, when you're constantly going to rehearsals, you're constantly talking about these people. You're constantly talking about the director or the actors or whoever you're with, and you're constantly leaving and, and you're busy. And then came to watch the show. And I remember that after it was over, the director, who was also a student, so this is, you know, we're the same age, gave me a hug and kissed me on the cheek. And it was like a long, you know, hug, whatever. <laughs> We're gonna get into it. It's a theater hug, right? I'm glad you understand because it's I know like theater people know. It was a long mm-hmm. hug. He, I think he had kissed me on the cheek, and then the audience kind of because it was it was student directed shows. It wasn't super whatever. The the audience kind of came onto the stage at that point and was like, everyone was kind of mingling and stuff. And I remember St- Stephen walked up to him and I don't remember exactly what he said because it's forever ago, but he said something to him like, I would appreciate it if you wouldn't kiss my girlfriend on the cheek or something like that. And I was mortified. I was so mortified, but I was thinking back to that instance. And that is such a small, tiny thing compared to like a showmance. But I'm like, can you imagine if I had kept acting? I don't think that Steve and I would be married. Like, I don't think that he would have been able to handle that. Um, And luckily that wasn't my gifting. My gifting was directing, but it just made me kind of think of like from an outsider's point of view, how, how serious it is. So anyway, it's a real thing. It is. And I appreciate you saying that, that, you know, it it is something that's easy to laugh at because it just sounds so silly, but, um, but it really is real. And I think that was, you know, in writing the book, there were several things probably that were really bubbling up that I felt like 
I wanted to break the silence on. And this was a major one for me because it's been something I've had a lot of personal struggle with. And I, with that came a lot of shame because I mean, God has been very faithful to my husband, Chris and I, like I've never cheated on him. I've never kissed somebody else uh, other than on stage, you know, and we, to be very open, like we saved ourselves for marriage. Like that was, I mean, we really have just fought hard to God's fought hard for us to, to be faithful because it isn't easy. And I think um, if you're trying to follow what the Bible says about sexual integrity, it gets into, I would think from an outside perspective, I don't know, but maybe it looks like, wow, that's very prudish or that's very limiting. But in fact, what it has showed me is how sinful I am, you know, and how, how human I am, like trying to fight it makes you realize how hard it is to fight it. Like how, how much we are like sexuality is an aspect of who we are and that everybody, every single person. And so um, I'm not beyond temptation. I'm not beyond danger, you know, and, and nobody is. And so I think for me in theater and uh, where it tends to be a place where the prevailing mindset seems to be, you know, anything goes like, don't put any rules on yourself uh, in art or in life. That's not everybody, but kind of a prevailing mindset that I've encountered. Um, I think that has been very difficult for me because I, I see the danger and I want people there to, to show me how to navigate it. You know, I want, I want the boundaries so that I know that I'm free to go all the way to those boundaries and, and have fun and be wild and like make great art within those boundaries um, so that I'm bringing goodness into the world and not other stuff, not evil. And, uh, and I think that's why it's felt so dangerous, Lara, is because there, like, people aren't talking about it. Maybe that's not your experience, but to me, it, it felt like this huge silence about something that has been a major aspect of my life as an actor. And so I guess I wanted to go first and do the scary thing and be like, here's what I've experienced. I mean, anybody else, any, anybody, am I the only center in the room? <laughs> like, you know, right. Yeah. Which kind of leads me to the, one of the first questions you ask in that chapter is, am I the only struggler in the room? And so when you begin to do research and ask that question, I know you mentioned asking on Facebook and social media, what did you find? Were you the only struggler or? Good question. Uh, yeah, I was not. I was not. <laughs> and <laughs> I learned, which was very, not reassuring, like, oh, yeah, we're almost up. But like, wow, it's not. I, it took away uh, some of that shame, I think, because it made me realize that it, not all of this is just some particular thing that's wrong with just me. I think there's something in the atmosphere. There's something in the way we're approaching this storytelling thing that is leading us in bad directions. And so it kind of made me look at, well, why, what is it about what I've been taught? Like the, the worldview behind the teaching that I've received in, in theater, or what is it about the sort of industry standard way of going about art making in film or on, on stage that leads to such a struggle? Because I don't think it has to be this way. And that was, I kept bringing up my friend Molly's questions in the book, like, or her statements that it doesn't have to be this way and at what cost, because I don't think it has to be this way. And, and that's why I think we have to be so intentional. I remember telling my dad, just describing sort of what goes through my head as I'm in a show, how many things I'm thinking about at every single minute of a rehearsal or every single minute of a performance or before a performance or two weeks before a performance, when I plan out my schedule of before the performance, what I'm going to do so that I'm not in a weird sticky situation in a dressing room or whatever, you know, like the, the intentionality that I've had to put into it, he was like, that's exhausting. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't know there was another way like this. I've just become used to having to be very, very intentional. If that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about that. I mean, I know that you kind of take us through the whole kind of story of if you were playing Juliet and Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Like it's, it's amazing when you think of everything that is involved and how much time you're spending with that person and what what is going I mean you lay out everything what's going through your mind and everything. So when you kind of pose that question, can I go ahead and and read what you asked on Facebook? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So Imagine your significant other were an actor and they told you, "I've been cast as Romeo or Juliet, a female." I want to do the best acting I can. So when I am on stage or in rehearsal, I'm going to really go there. 
meaning I will really feel the emotions and think the thoughts of my character and really embody them in every scene. But when I leave the stage or rehearsal space, I will intentionally transition back into myself and come back to you and our kids if applicable and fully invest as myself in you guys. What would your reaction be? Specifically, would you experience this as an emotional affair? Why or why not? And even thinking, (laughs) if I asked my husband this, he would be like, oh, heck no. (laughs) And... (laughs) (laughs) Even after being with me for 17 years and being, you know, I wouldn't say like a part of theater world, but being with someone who is a part of that world. Um, And that's just, it's funny because I think that everyone, and so you posted your, the answers that people gave you, Mm -hmm. um, some of the responses. And do you have any of those responses that you want to share? Because mm, I think it would be really interesting to hear them <laughs> read by you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> dramatically, dramatic, dramatic reading. reading. Well, because, and, and it, it could be a dramatic reading because it, it really, it was so interesting to me. That question brought so many thoughts out from people that it was great. It was such good food for me to think on and for me to use in the book and share with other people. Um, so we had different spectrum, like a whole spectrum of answers. So let's see. The first person that I shared said, I would experience it as my spouse doing her job. I would not view it differently than any other job and would not consider it an emotional affair. And that was from a non-actor. And then another non-actor, I put their response second because it's kind of opposite. It says, yes, I would consider it an emotional affair. And if there were kissing, et cetera, I would have a problem with that as well. That is why I think acting is especially hard for a Christian believer. I would also add that the beauty of marriage is putting your spouse and their desires above your own. So even if as an actor, someone did not consider it an affair, if their spouse did, I would hope the actor would respect the feelings of their spouse above their own. So we have two different sides. And then we, and then we get all the way to like people saying... But if I thought I needed to, as myself, be in love with another actor when on stage to give a good performance, BS, that's totally unnecessary. Just act better. So, I mean, we have like all different thoughts about this. One that I thought was really interesting as you were talking, Laura, I was kind of going back to this one was the person who said, that's your job. If you don't feel the emotions on stage, then you're quote unquote phoning it in. And what's the point of doing it at all? And I think that response sort of gets to the crux of how theater world and Christian journey get really confusing because now Mm -hmm. we're getting back to what is good art, Mm -hmm. what is good theater and what is good acting. And so does good acting involve feeling the emotions on stage? And if so, how do you tell your brain, Hey brain, (laughs) we're going to imaginatively go here. Like you're going to feel this for this person, but it's not actually them. And you're not actually being you. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then we're going to come back and we're going to, divorce ourselves from those feelings. And we're going to remember, oh, no, 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 actually, that person is just my friend and a coworker. And so it, that's where I get into how intentional, at least I've approached it, because I see the craft of acting is incredibly intentional. I mean, you, you have to be so incredibly focused to do it well. And so um, mentally focused, so emotionally focused, you just have to put yourself completely in it from the way I do it, at least. But then to be able to pull myself out of that And even in the moment I'm acting, go, this is a story. Like all of that is, they're all competing with each other. All those thoughts. Right. Yeah. So, and then, so then the other thought that I thought was so beautiful, this was, I'm going to share, I'm not going to share the person's name, but I do want to say that this is from a younger person than me who was an undergrad uh, when I was in grad school. And I, even watching this person on stage in a role where they were just listening to someone, like I could see there's something different about that person. Like they seem like there's the, I could just sense God's presence in them. Um, That person said, I agree with the majority that it's not inherently wrong, but it is dangerous and shouldn't be taken lightly. And then he go, uh, that person went on to, you know, share more about what that looks like. Um, But I just, I like, I thought that was such a good balance. It's not inherently wrong, but it is dangerous and it shouldn't be taken lightly. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Laura? Like, do you? Yeah, I, and that's exactly, um, I remember reading that and thinking that's exactly what it is. Like, it is something to be handled with kid gloves and to be just very careful with. And like you said, very intentional and thoughtful and not rushing into it. And, and also, like you mentioned earlier, and I think this could be the word of this entire thing is boundaries, setting mm-hmm. boundaries. And 
it was funny because I know later later on in the chapter you kind of mentioned or someone mentions going out with their actor friends afterwards to kind of you know de-roll or break that relationship but I mean even that can be kind of dangerous you know what I mean to to, to leave and then go out you know what I mean to dinner with them that'll that'll make it all better I I I think there could be good in that um and I'm a Lutheran so I'd say yeah you could go have a beer but um I, I don't I don't know that that would actually help me personally. It depends on the person. It depends on how they handle that situation. Right. I just get really flirty. You know? Yes. I mean, it just feels like you like no, you need to go home. But <laughs> I mean, if it's in a group, it could be good. It could be good in a group because then you're having to say like, I mean, that would help me a little more. I think. Yeah. Or inviting your spouse or something like that. Yeah. 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 One of the whenever you read one of the responses though, it made me think it was the one by the person who said that they would consider an emotional affair Mm. would, I mean, at that point, would they, you know, would they be asking their spouse to give up their craft for them? And that's not, I mean, there's so many opinions that can happen on that. And I mean, we literally could do a five hour podcast on on just this chapter. It might be needed. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's just, so many different questions and so yeah. many different different ideas and they're all kind of conflicting and and you have to also look at the the way that people approach characters i mean some people you know get really deep into it and some people are more technical or you know what i mean and it's um and you kind of talk a little bit about that later which i also thought was really there's so many so many interesting things i think one of the it kind of made me chuckle a little bit, but when you <laughs> talked about the pastor, <laughs> oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and this is, I just imagine him saying it so fast, but she kind of mentioned here. Yeah. Um, can I read that part? Yeah, sure. Okay. I had another interesting discussion this time in person with the pastor. I know I don't remember exactly how I introduced this topic, but I remember he started speaking to the tension I felt as a Christ follower and an actor He praised the merits of acting by pointing out how both actors and pastors are incarnational. Both put on a special costume and speak words that are not their own. An actor speaks a playwright or screenwriter's words. A pastor speaks God's words. We had a little time to talk. I went straight to the heart of my doubts. He mentioned he'd done some acting in college, so I asked him if he'd ever struggled to keep the line between himself and his character clear when playing romantic roles. He quickly responded, I always fell in love with my co-stars. Yep. <laughs> like not even, <laughs> there's just no like special way around it. No. It just was what it was. <laughs> what, when he said that, were you kind of shocked? Uh, I think it was not shocked, more like, okay, it's not just me. You know, right. it's another one of those moments where I was like, Phew, I'm not like, I'm not the only sinner in the room. Thank yeah. you, pastor friend. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think it, I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. I think that's some of it too. I think it's when, I mean, it's kind of the emperor's new clothes, right? Like my son and I just used to read a lot of that book and I was reminded of it. And I went, that's what I feel like we're doing. I think, I think there's this, uh, how do I describe this? Like, I think in this, in this crazy, you know, performing arts world, we go, oh yeah, it's all totally fine. Like there's nothing dangerous about this. Like, see everybody, isn't there nothing dangerous about this? And then like these people ended up together, these people cheated on you. Like, like mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I'm like inside myself, I feel that something might be dangerous. And then we, uh, we go, no, the emperor. Yeah, those are real close. Yeah, it's totally fine. Like he's not naked. And, right. um, and I, I think that it just, I really, I don't have all the answers, but I do think that God has given me a desire to go first and start the conversation. Maybe it started elsewhere, but I just, I couldn't find people willing to share that about themselves unless I went, here's, I mean, basically in tears, like here's where I'm at and I have no idea how to handle this. And and I found that I could find really great listening ears and friends among my Christian friends, like wonderful people, but they don't have experience in theater. And so the challenges of this, they'd go, gosh, that would be hard, which was very reassuring, but they still didn't have guidance from their own practical experience. And then in theater world, I just, I felt like there weren't people that would, I mean, I I would bring it up sometimes with people, but it was almost like they didn't see it as a problem. It was like, oh, that's just part of doing the role. Like you just 
yeah, you, you might feel these things for that person. And I go, yeah, but another, another challenge is that, I mean, like I said in the book, and like, I know you and I are both married. I think that's not so common among the actors I've worked with. At least they tend to be younger or in New York, they're in their thirties or twenties or whatever and aren't married. And so I think not that it's wrong when you're married and right when you're single to like, just, you know, have let your feelings go anywhere. But I think when you're married, it holds that standard up to you every day. And so I leave rehearsal, I go home and there's my husband. And I think it's, it's always in my face that call for faithfulness and to be self-controlled. And it's really, really hard at times, especially when it gets to, I found two things that really make it challenging are kissing on stage and eye contact, like intense eye contact. And so I, that's why I went into scientific research on those things. Cause I went, what is this? Like, this is really hard to fight. This bypasses all yeah. of my logical or um, biblical mental training. It, it bypasses all of that. And it is just this like overwhelming experience that kind of like deadens everything else. And then you go, what do, what do, what happened? Was that wrong? Was that like just dangerous? I don't know if, did I cross, you know, it's just really hard it's, to process. I kind of want you to talk about that study, but I, it also, the thing that hit me was when you were going through the situation of being cast as Juliet. And for those of you, I mean, who haven't read the book, it's, she kind of takes you on from audition to, to rehearsing the first kiss type of thing. And, you know, being cast as Juliet and everything that goes, and she kind of takes you through the story. And one of the parts that totally hit me is when you mention so in this little section randall is the director and peter is playing romeo it was just an imagined scenario it's an imagined yes head of an actor yeah. yes you remember that randall wanted you to look into each other's eyes so you do you realize that to this point you've never really looked this guy in the face <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh that is so I'm saying that's so true. This is imagined. <laughs> but like when you think back to acting, I don't think I ever looked people right smack in their eyeballs. I always looked at their like forehead or because you're mm. trying not to laugh. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I don't, I think it is. And I know that there, and I remember back in the day, whenever I acted, I remember there would be that moment where you're like, okay, this is that moment where you're going to need to make strong eye contact. And it's so funny that you said that, that one sentence and it made me smile. Cause I'm like, yes, that is so true. Cause I really I've that. just been looking at his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, so you go into the study done by the psychologist. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I thought that was really interesting too. I think about the one about the power of kissing. Or, oh, no, the, the 36 questions. The 36 questions, yeah. Yeah, so um, so if anybody out there is like a, a real hearty podcast listener, you might have listened to a whole show, radio show, basically, of uh, a musical that they made for a podcast forum called 36 Questions or The 36 Questions. Anyway, it was based on this study done by uh, Dr. Arthur Aaron, who wanted to examine interpersonal closeness and how it's created. And so he came up with a series of 36 gradually more revealing questions and then had study participants come into his lab and sit down together, two strangers, and ask each other these revealing questions, like more and more revealing questions. And I think there are YouTube videos about it now and stuff. Um, it's gained some popularity since I was writing that in the book. But, uh, but he found that not only he, – he didn't just use the 36 questions. At the end, it was four minutes, five minutes of prolonged eye contact. Like, you just stared at each other. And and then at least one of the pairs from this study ended up falling in love and getting married. And so um, – which I also find interesting because my husband and I have a funny, like, story from our relationship. When we were first getting to know each other, we were on a Mexico mission trip. And we were in the van and probably annoyed everybody else in the van. But we decided to play the staring game. And we stared at each other. 
like the one where you can't laugh. And we stared at each other and I'm really good at that game. So it lasted like 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And that definitely made us closer. So uh, (laughs) there's, and and I think there's real power in eye contact. And if you think about it, like something theater directors will do when they're trying to tell actors to make even just like a family household situation look real is stop looking at each other so much. People don't do that. Like Mm -hmm. it makes me realize throughout my daily life, even I can be in the same room as someone and connecting with them, but I may not be staring them straight in the face. Mm-hmm. And when you're playing a romantic role on stage, you find yourself doing it a lot more than normal because that's what lovers do. But it is really powerful. Right. Uh, yeah. I told my my kids that, my students that, like, because they'll want to look right at the, they keep doing this. They keep looking at the person and I'm like, stop looking at the person. <laughs> like you don't need to look over there every time you're talking to them. Cause that, right. Cause that's not really what you're doing. Yeah. That is, that's really, really interesting. So what, and I haven't asked this, yeah. but what does your husband think? Like have, I'm oh. sure that you guys have had conversations about it. Um, a lot of conversations. Yeah. What, mm-hmm you know, and you can go as deep into this as you want or not, but just what are some, what are his feelings about it? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think we've, I I think that something that God has done in his faithfulness to Chris and me and our marriage is given us boldness to be really courageously open with each other. And so I remember, gosh, like early on in our marriage, maybe a year and a half, two years in having to confess um, attraction for somebody else. This was unrelated to theater, but I'm, I'm being very vulnerable here, but I think it's important. And, um, and so having to confess attraction to somebody and, and just being so afraid coming into that conversation, like, will this, how will this end? Like, will this end us? Like, is this the end? And, and he forgave me. And he said, I understand I'm, I'm a sinner too. And, and that sort of that conversation set the patterns for the next time it was easier and the next time it was easier and he would bring his own stuff to me and I would say, I forgive you. I'm a sinner too. And I think, and now we're 15 and a half years in. And I think now that's such a normal part of our relationship that it it also holds us accountable because we know we're going to tell each other like that's a standard that's been set in our marriage where like we will be that open with each other. Like if, if I, if I go to rehearsal and I'm having uh, issues and I think it's now I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, so part of this work is that feelings will bubble up. And that doesn't always mean I'm sinning it. There's temptation there, but maybe that's part of, I mean, feeling those feelings might be part of the work. I don't know. That's a bigger discussion for another time, I guess, but, but it, it does make me really have to think over and above, even trying to be true to God, trying to be, which is the most important and trying to be like, feel a sense of integrity in myself about like I this matters to me my faith walking it out matters to me even beyond that I know that if I go home and I have done something wrong I'm going to tell Chris and it's going to feel awful you know and it's going to hurt him right so I think it all becomes very relational like it's so easy to talk about these things in terms of just like morality or words in a book that mean or prudish people hold you to. But I think what the purpose is behind all of this is that there's a God who loves us and he's daddy, like, and he knows what's going to hurt his kids. And so I think when like what I've learned through all of this crazy wrestling and struggle is that like, he really knows best. Like he really is good and like good, good, like meaty, good, like not like prissy, good, like, what goodness is. And so I think that the more that I try to follow his ways and the more that I get discernment from him and wisdom about how to do that, like on a second by second basis in a rehearsal. I mean, it's not, this isn't broad stuff. This is like the dangers here right now. Like, mm-hmm. will I look at that person right now? Will I, how will I touch them? How will I, we talk about this scene? Um, all of that has just taught me that he is for me and that his ways really are for my good and that they like for life. Like when I follow, can I say a specific situation? Mm-hmm. I was in a show and there was a romantic element to a role I was playing in that show and I was struggling with feelings for the person that was opposite me and that. And I remember it just being, I mean, it was hard as it always is. It was really hard to figure out how to navigate that. And, um, and I've gotten some more tools lately and I talk about that in the book um, with some like intimacy conversations, stage and intimacy conversations that help a lot. But 
At that point, I didn't have that yet. So I was praying, 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 scared, scared, scared. I ended up writing a schedule out for myself, like sitting at home at my desk, praying, 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 and writing out a schedule for like, at this time before rehearsal, I will be here. At this time, I will be here. At this time, I will be here. Knowing that there could be some tempting encounters backstage, like just with dressing room situations. And then I remember being in, I think, dress rehearsals was close to when the show opened, going out on stage and having followed that schedule and having made like kind of relationally difficult decisions to sort of separate myself and go somewhere else to get ready and getting up on stage, having followed my plan and really tried to stay true to God. And and I had this new sense of dignity to me that I had never experienced before. And it was this sense of like, Elizabeth, out of your obedience, I'm giving you your sense of dignity that you're not, you don't have to look to this guy to tell you that you're beautiful. You already are. I already made you beautiful. I tell you you're beautiful. Your worth is in me. And, and, and I had that verse from Proverbs 31 in my head, like she is clothed in strength and dignity. Mm -hmm. She can laugh at the days to come. So instead of diminishing me, following these really high standards that God sets made me feel like fully woman fully human, fully like strong, beautiful and strong and, and independent of what people want me to be or what they are like wanting to get from me. And, and that was unexpected because most of the time I feel like, gosh, I'm just dirty. Gosh, I, gosh, why do I struggle with this? But it really taught me these laws matter. And as the Holy Spirit helps me follow them, I get to feel what he sees in me. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I got chills thinking about that because I feel like I, I mean, not in the same instance, I haven't been on stage, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, taking my final bow, but there are <laughs> moments where you work really hard and you make really great decisions. And there's this moment of just overwhelming pride. Like you're just so proud and, and it feels good and it feels a, just a different high for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, but do you know what I mean? Like you're yeah. like went one step up and that just feels really amazing. There was one more thing I want to mention, and then I'm going to yeah. kind of, I want to talk about how you, how, how do you fix it? How do you, yeah. how do oh, you yeah. solve this problem? Yeah. Sure, yeah. I um, really like but I thought this was, this is the one, the one other thing that I, I found was really interesting and I wanted anyone who's an actor to to listen to this and to kind of realize like, it's not, I don't know how to open it, but I'm just going to start reading. This too sounds similar to acting. Two people get to know each other in a way that seems intimate, but the connection is actually at a distance since it's all happening in character. An actor is not getting to know another actor closely unless that happens off stage. They are getting to know another actor's mask while donning a mask of their own. The relationship is at a distance. In fact, the actors are three degrees of separation from each other. And then it says, according to person who is mentioned above, this is the kind of situation in which strong feelings of connection can last. And so I think it's really important to realize that when you start to have those feelings, like that you are playing a character and then you're developing feelings for someone that's playing a character and you're just in this like, la la land you know Uh it's not and none of it is real and I know it's mentioned later on that that plays like I can't remember if it was CS no it was um Alfred Hitchcock that you that you quoted later that said that essentially it's like plays are all interesting situations and intricate and exciting because all the dull parts of life are taken out, Mm -hmm. um, which is so true. And so if, you know, I had to watch a play of someone getting their coffee and cleaning their kitchen, (laughs) (laughs) um, yelling at their dog for two hours, I wouldn't be watching it. (laughs) So, (laughs) So anyway, it's, it was really interesting to kind of read that and just realize that it's not you, it's not that person. It's, it's something different. And that's the connection is it's a different kind. So anyway, what is someone to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in the, to be true to the subtitle of the book, which is an actor's struggle to unite faith and work. I don't think that I could have answered that question very well until maybe six months ago. 
in the last year at least. So I talk about it in the book a bit. There was, um, in fact, that same undergrad who has such great cool stage presence and talked about it being dangerous, but not a sin. He also turned me on to something he'd found online, which was um, Intimacy Directors International. And so it's this new profession within the entertainment industry of there, there have been fight choreographers for a long time. If you're not in theater, that's just somebody who basically, like a dance choreographer, they choreograph the fights that you would see on stage or on screen so that it's all safe, but it can look violent. And so similarly, uh, this woman who lives in, I believe, Oklahoma, uh, she had realized, you know, this we need something like that, but for stage intimacy, because the same kind of stuff's happening. Instead of it being your body that's at risk, it's your heart. And she said, you know, humans are made to be loved. And so when even when we get that in this like pseudo, like in this imaginary world, it's incredibly tempting. And so she thought we need to figure out a way that we can kind of codify a system to address this issue. So she created an organization called Intimacy Directors International. And I looked at the website and I don't know if they share the same worldview as a Christian would necessarily, but I think there's so much gold that can be taken from that organization, even as a Christian trying to look through a different lens. But I, I went to one of their workshops. I saw it. They came to Austin last year and they walked us through the main tenets of their organization. They walked us through, we, we then put those into practice right away. So it was a full day workshop. In the morning, we did a scene with someone. And in the afternoon, we did scripted scenes. So the first one was improv and kind of simulating a situation where the director might say, okay, go practice this on your own. And so two actors trying to work out how to discuss intimate situations when the director's not present. And then in the afternoon, it was with the director present and it was scripted scenes. So I took a lot out of that, which I'd love to go into a lot more detail. But for the sake of time, what I learned from that, that I really took away and that helped me a lot was that if you create intentional conversation with your acting partner about what is okay with you and what is not, then not only are you describing what is going to be a safe space for both of you and figuring that out. But you're also having these, you're creating a professional relationship with that person that's connected to these scenes. And so I decided it was really funny. I ended up at that workshop with a person that I then acted with in a romantic role last Christmas. So my friend Ryan and I ended up at the same workshop and, and so we learned all the same things. In fact, in the scene, the uh, scene in the afternoon, he was the one directing me in this scene with another actor. And so we, we had directly learned these principles at the same time. And we get to playing George and Mary Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life. And there's, you know, in the movie, this was a radio show version on stage, but everybody who's seen the movie knows there's like the phone scene where they finally get together, right? And um, they're close. And then there's a kiss. We didn't do a kiss because it was a radio show. So fortunately, I didn't have to figure out how that was going to work out with these principles could have done it. But because we both learned it, Ryan and I were then able to have that conversation and to say, okay, these are my boundaries. Like, these are the parts of my body you can't touch. These are my offerings. These are the parts you can touch so that it's not, there's a way to work. And then I did, a, I, I just, I was like, I, I'm creative. I can, I'm a researcher. I can, I can figure this out. So I started watching as I prepared for the role, I started watching how romantic scenes are done when they don't involve a kiss. Like how could we portray the sizzle mm-hmm. of them getting together, mm-hmm. but do it in a way that's safe for the two actors involved. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I said, for example, like Ryan, you can't, like this is off limits from here to here, whatever it's, I know where this is a listening medium. So I'm whatever I said this, you can't touch these things, but, um, but like you can touch my arms or you can touch my hands or you can touch my face, not during COVID, but, uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we figured out there were things that we could work with. And because we'd had that conversation now, whenever I did one of those scenes, I, my brain could go, wait, is, is he an actor or is he my husband? Or is he like, I could now think of him as a fellow professional actor whose work I respect and who I love working with. And we've now talked about this scene in a very scientific actor way so that mm-hmm. that was now attached to. So my brain had a better time figuring out that this was fake and, um, but that also making a, a beautiful story. So I was watching um, The Sound of Music when I was getting ready for the show and I watched how, what was it? I think it was how Maria and Captain Von Trapp interacted when they have their like, I must have done something mm-hmm. good. That song. Mm-hmm. Um, they had this beautiful forehead lean and it sounds so cheesy, but like sizzle yep. city. Like it was, yep. it was, 
beautiful and you're so with them and it didn't need a kiss because the foreheads told it all. So, mm-hmm. so I, I brought that to rehearsal and I talked to my acting partner to Ryan about it. And I said, well, what about this forehead lean thing? And so we tried that and it worked so well. And I think we ended up really proud of how their relationship was on stage. And I also had a way to navigate that mentally. And because of that, because I knew that there were these boundaries, like you said, in place, I felt safer to do better acting. I was, I was able to act freely and to do it with more of my art and more of myself because I wasn't afraid I was going to fall off the plank all the time. You know? Right, right. Yeah. That is so smart to do. I think um, it's funny because I try to limit kissing on stage. I don't know. I just try to limit it to something that's like so, so important. So, you know, when we did a show, it was because he was going off to war and he ended up dying. And so it was like, I've let there be, that was the first kiss I ever did, but mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. And so then I, I try to limit. So I am queen of trying to find other ways to like, do you know what I mean? To make it real. And I, one of the things that I, I do it for them, but now I'm thinking I should do it. I should have them talk to each other about it. But what I end up doing is saying, so-and-so, is it okay if he touches your arm right there? Is this okay? I end up kind of, you know, and they're high school students. And so um, they are capable of having that conversation, but I always just did it for them because I do that when I go up there. Is it okay if I'm like, you know how a director will come on stage and be like, no, do this or do that. Mm. Um, I'll say, is it okay if I touch your arm? Is it okay if I touch your shoulder? And I ask that as their director, but I also do it for them. I almost speak on their behalf and ask if it's okay. But in reality, I, any sort of intimate scenes, I, I do do like, I direct them when they are alone and people aren't watching. And then we kind of bring it into the show, but I should look into that and really have them do that on their own. Even if it never, you know, never includes a kissing scene or anything like that. Like, I think it's just really important. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I found after that workshop too, that, like I said, I, there was so much I learned from that. And I think it is crucial, the kinds of things that they're trying to do in the industry. And I know that now they're intimacy directors being used on films, like film sets and, and throughout theater. And it's starting to be seen as more of a necessary thing, which I think is so important. I think what I found as a Christian too, is I had to go even farther than that though, because so maybe one last story is that I was talking to a, a teacher of mine, like an acting teacher, and, and she was trying to navigate or understand me because she herself is not a Christian, great listener though. And she wanted to understand why is it that you think, why do you seem to think that Christianity and acting are in such tension with each other? Like it just didn't really make sense to her. And I said, well, because if I look at the Bible, it is telling me that to look at someone lustfully is sin. Like this is beyond, well, did you guys make out after the show? Eh, then it's probably fine. You know, like if you didn't take it off stage. Mm -hmm. And I go, no, actually like the call Mm -hmm. of Christ is to so much more holiness that it's, it's obvious that I can't do it on my own. It's obvious that I need God to change me and to forgive me. And I need Mm -hmm. the cross. I need, I need the resurrection. I need all of the, I need the gospel because I said like the God, the Bible tells me I can't even look at someone lustfully without sinning. And she goes, Oh yeah, I can see how that would be hard. (laughs) Right. And so I did find even after that workshop, I went, "Mm, I'm still, I'm still dealing with this. Like, and it was crucial for me to learn those things. And it wasn't the silver bullet. It didn't fix everything. I think God is in this process with me and everybody of sanctification. Like every Christian, it's going to take, I mean, till we die, we're going to be struggling to be who we were created to be. And I think that knowing ourselves is part of that and communicating that with other people is part of that. But ultimately, like the work has to happen in our heart and it is beyond our ability. It's it's something only God can do is to make us love ourselves and love each other enough to do what's right by everybody because it's mm-hmm. really hard to choose the right thing. Yeah. So if I think of the audience that's listening to this, you know, they are um, majority college students. Um, and I kind of asked this at the end of every episode, just because I want them so clearly to hear from other Christian actors. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of why this was started. But 
what would you say to an actor that's in college right now that's Christian and is experiencing all the things and meeting new people and and kind of going through that and and maybe experiencing that struggle? Mm, okay. I probably couldn't say this one thing. I'd be like, can we get coffee? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to talk a lot more. Um, with each I, listener. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well, and if people have questions that they send you and they want to talk, I will be happy to talk to. I mean, you know, in my limited time, I'd be happy yeah. to talk more. I kind of think of like, what's one thing I would give people? It's not new information if you've been a Christian for a while, but I think it is the answer that I'd give. And I think it's stay really close to Jesus. Like stay, I mean, really close, like cling. Mm-hmm cling to him because what's the verse that says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And I have found that it, I have to cling. It's not this easy. This is just going to happen if I don't, you know, if I don't do anything crazy, like no, actually like I'm being fought at every turn mm-hmm. um, by the enemy and by the world, the ideas of the world. I, to go against Jesus, to forget that his ways are the best or to just compromise in little ways and then they get bigger and then they get easier to compromise in. And I think it remembering that there's a war on for our hearts is really crucial and remembering like really asking that we would love Jesus more than anything else that, I mean, anything else more than husband, child, more than anything. Like that's, that's what we have at the end of the day. And that's the best thing is, is him. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's it's about all of this is about what do we desire most? Like, do we want what feels really great? Or do we want what we think would give us fulfillment? Or do we want what he says is good because we want him more than anything else? So I think it's desire. I think it's all about desire. Awesome. So like I mentioned, I know there are a lot of college students listening and a lot of people who are at just the beginning of their theater career And we want to go ahead and give away a couple of copies of Elizabeth's book, The Power of Pretend, An Actor's Struggle to Unite Faith and Work. And like I said, I just really love this book, and I think it's a necessary read for anyone who is a Christian and an actor or just in the entertainment industry in any form. And so if you go ahead and leave a review and then go to Elizabeth's picture, it will be posted on my Instagram And just comment below and say that you left a review and you can ask any questions on there and she can look at those and answer them if you want to reach out to her directly. And I will go ahead and pick a couple of winners. And actually, Elizabeth, where can people find you and where can they get the book? Well, the book is available on Amazon. So if you search for The Power of Pretend, there's another book called The Power of Pretend that looks nothing like mine. Mine has the picture. It's black and white and red and subtitle and actors struggle to unite faith and work but it's an easy search other than that on amazon so i have a facebook author page that is elizabeth bernhardt author so they can find me on facebook and i also have a business account on instagram so i'm getting more active on instagram lately so that's instagram.com slash elizabeth ann bernhardt a-n-n-e awesome okay well thank you yeah thank you so much this was good yeah thank you laura thanks for letting me talk about hard important things Yes. Um, anytime. <laughs> anytime you want to come back and okay. finish this yeah, conversation. Absolutely. Let's do it. Five more hours. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>